Hello, this is Taylor, and I'm speaking on the deep awareness where thoughts are endless and possibilities are endless just as well. I'm speaking with my friend Rex. I've known Rex for, I'm assuming like six to seven years, maybe. Yeah, just sounds about, about right. Yeah, so Rex, um, first of all, tell me who you are and what you do. So, um, I'm Rex. I uh, went to uh, Brigham Young University, Idaho, and graduated with my bachelor's in health psychology, um, which is basically psychology with an emphasis in nutrition and exercise. And then I recently graduated from Ottawa University with my master's of arts in counseling. Um, and along the way, I got my CFL1, so I'm CrossFit level one, um, and then I also got my precision nutrition, um, so I'm PNL1 as well. Um, basically, I'm a counselor that helps people um, with an emphasis in nutrition and exercise. So I'm trying to be well-rounded. Bro, you know what that sounds to me? It sounds to me that you're one genius. You're a genius. You have probably a very complex mind with very complex thoughts. And that's why I really wanted you on the deep awareness because I like complex thoughts. My whole podcast is based on complex thoughts. So I asked you um, several questions and I sent that through text before we met today. And would you be able to go over some of the first questions? Yeah, absolutely. Sweet. So one of the questions that you asked me was, um, do you think that we process more information than we are aware of? And um, I don't know if you realize this, but it's, your, your question is kind of a trick question. It is. And, and it is. the reason that I, I share that is because I, I recently finished up half of my EMDR training, um, meaning I have to go back for another three days um, at the end of this month, actually. And one of the things that they mentioned in EMDR is that we consistently have a... Um, our bodies are take screenshots of situations. So for example, if someone were to walk through the door right now and let's say they were to chop off my leg, my brain would take a snapshot of that experience and start to say, oh, this is, uh, the walls are white and the person that stabbed you was male and the, the knife was black. But those are the only things my body is going to remember. So it takes just a, a snapshot of it. And then what happens is the next time I run into, I go to another room and let's say that room is white and uh, my heart rate starts to go up and I start to freak out a little bit and I go, why are my palms so sweaty? Well, part of that's just because the body processed that information and said, hey, screenshot, this is scary, this is bad. It's a maladaptive response. But um, if we can learn to kind of rewrite those experiences and make them adaptive, um, then we're able to kind of get through those traumatic experiences. So your question, going back to it, do you think that we process more information than we are aware of? Um, I'd say our bodies, um, there's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. So yes, our, our, I think our bodies are very aware of our surroundings um, and we have to learn how to pair that with our intellect, with our brain. Um, does that kind of answer your question? That definitely answers the question. So pretty much what I took out of it is our brain processes so many things, some things that we might not really detect at times, but we definitely are aware of it. And we aware, we're, we're aware of it throughout our situations, depending on the environment. Like you said, if somebody chopped your arm off in a white room, and then you might be aware of that room more than any other room, like any type of room that has that setting. Correct. Yeah. Yep. And then, and so basically in short, if I, 
eventually through counseling and even possibly through EMDR, we were then able to um, understand that, that that a white-walled room isn't bad. It just so happens that something bad happened to me in that white-walled room. So yes, our bodies process information. It is our job to kind of sort through that and understand like what's going on here and, and why am I freaking out in a white room. Nice. So let's say if my arm got chopped up chopped off in a white room. Uh-huh. <laughs> do you think I can have a cure? Is there a cure from that awareness or that subconscious issue that I had from that setting? Absolutely. Sweet. Um, I in, like the, in EMDR, one of the biggest things that I've, I've learned is that the brain um, can heal itself. And so what I've learned is in counseling, um, so CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, I am there to help a client figure out how can I rewrite my thoughts? How can I say, um, oh, I'm, I'm fat. Okay, that's a negative thought. That's, there's a negative connotation to that. So how can we rewrite that to make it a healthy thought? So that's what I do with counseling. But with EMDR, the goal is I'm more facilitator. I'm more, um, what, does, what do you notice? Um, and then the person's able to explain a couple of things. And then through the use of the brain, we're able to help the person find healing. Hmm, interesting. Okay. So I'm so sorry. I have not memorized the questions. So I believe we're on question number three. And I believe you have it written down in front of you. Yeah. If you would like to explain. So um, in short, um, how do we process information? So um, kind of going back to some of the thoughts that I just shared, there's adaptive processes and maladaptive processes. So adaptive meaning um, it's going to benefit us, it's going to help us, it's going to um, guide us um, in our lives, so to speak. Maladaptive um, is not helpful. It's not, it's, um, that's where PTSD comes in. That's where trauma comes in. And so if we can learn to process information in a healthy manner um, through bilateral stimulation. Um, so for example, uh, if you go to the gym and you're working out and a lot of people go to the gym to exercise to get um, reduced stress, to reduce anxiety. Um, as you're at the gym, some people get distracted and they go, okay, I've got a five by five back squat. Okay, I'm gonna get underneath the barbell. One, stand up. Two, stand up. Three, up to five. They put the barbell back and they're like, yeah, I just hit that. It's like, okay, well, did you process some of the thoughts that you have going on in your mind while you were doing that? Or were you focusing on the numbers? Not that it's not helpful to get to the gym to help with anxiety, but when you're going one, two, three, instead, I invite you to, you know, like talking to my friend the other day was really hard and that was really stressful. So let's think about that and ponder on that and some of those feelings. And as we sit down, let's imagine ourselves pushing that off of us as we stand back up. And then that will help us process information very well. I'm going to take your invitation and I'm going to try it myself. So next time that I'm squatting or doing any type of lift, I'm going to think about my problems. And as I think about my problems, I'm going to feel like I'm pressing a load to press that load off me. And it leaves in the, the weight room, the weights, the gym, whatever the case. So I'm going to take your invitation and I like it. And I might have to write down notes on how I feel about it. And I'll, I'll get back to you on my results. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's a uh... I've done this a couple of times and my goal is to continue to expand on this with clients um, and to get them into the gym and say, okay, let's, 
let's do some processing while we're down here. Nice. And and in short, basically, we're just we're getting the body to fight for us versus against us. Which so, is the ideal thing with any mind. It doesn't matter where or who you are. Exactly. And so if we can if we can tap into the body's resources and say, hey, I need you on my side today. But sometimes we don't get enough sleep, sometimes we don't get exercise, and sometimes we don't eat a very healthy diet. So then when we have anxiety come or depression come or whatever it might become, we, we no longer resources. can... Yeah, we, we can't say, hey, body, I need your help today. Yeah. The body goes, uh, sorry, bro, like you didn't do anything for me, so I'm going to have to just be a little more exhausted today, and I can't help you through this trial. Yeah. That means That means for everybody who's listening, use your body's resources. You cannot go wrong. I guarantee I have a master degree friend. I mean, I guess I said that wrong. But a friend with a master degree that is telling you that that is the case. That's how powerful it is. He went to school for eight years, right? Uh, it was six. Technically, it was a seven-year span because of COVID. We don't talk about that. But um, technically, about a little over six years. Yeah. And so he's been in college for six years to tell you that you need these resources. And the three major ones that I took down in my head was sleep, diet, and exercise. Am I correct? Bingo. Yep. Sweet. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty solid. Pretty solid. Okay. So the next one that you talked about was um, outsource versus insource. Um, So can you give me a little more background on that and on what your thoughts are about that? Yes, sir. I sure can. So my insource would be my thoughts. And since only I can perceive these thoughts and only I can think these thoughts, that means it's my insource. There is nobody else that's in my mind. No natural human being is in my mind. So therefore, every other human being on this planet would be the outsource of these thoughts that I'm thinking inside of my own mind, in my own head and in my own brain. But as we see somebody else, obviously I or anybody else can't hear that person's thoughts unless if it's the individual itself. And if that's the case, that individual has the insource of thoughts. That means what I interpret from that person's insource would be my outsource because I can interpret what they're thinking. But since that person is thinking that, that means it's that person's insource. But for me, it's my outsource. Just like my thoughts will be everybody else's outsource, if that makes sense. Yes. So um, what I like about what you you just said and and kind of this question is um, one one of the things it takes back to is is couples therapy and understanding that you have, let's say, a husband and wife um, as an example, and they're communicating, they're talking, and the wife goes, hey, um, I don't really – I don't really like it or I don't really care when you um, like, like do that. It kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. And then the husband, it's his job then to lean into her and say, oh my gosh, like, babe, I didn't realize that I, that I did that to you. Um, I didn't realize that, that was hurtful. I'm so sorry. How can I make it right? Um, and so at that point, her in-source is, is thinking, man, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And his outsource is, holy cow, I didn't realize that that was, that made me feel, that made her feel uncomfortable. Um, I'm so sorry, I didn't realize that. How can I make you feel better? And then instead, but what typically happens, and when people come in to see me, they go, she'll go, hey, babe, that makes me feel uncomfortable. And then he goes, oh yeah, well, this makes me feel uncomfortable. 
So instead of listening to her in-source, which would technically be his outsource from her, then uh, you're kind of like dragging her through the mud. She's like, hey, I need your help. And he goes, oh yeah, well you did this to me. And then take her by the ankle and drag her through the mud. It's like, whoa, 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 like pause. You gotta lean into her. You gotta uh, like help her through her trials and through her uncomfortableness. And then that's when you can appropriately ask, are you open to me sharing what makes me feel uncomfortable too? And then she's then able to lean into him and vice versa. And that's when a relationship can grow and flourish. Exactly. And so if we can understand other people's in-sources and out-sources better, then we're able to have, we're going to have more success in our relationships. That's true. You never fight conflict with conflict. You only fight conflict with peace. It's like fighting fire with fire. If you add fire to the fire, you're building the fire. <laughs> Bingo. It's pretty simple. <laughs> yeah. And so then I asked them, and I'm like, so in this argument you guys had, who won? And they both stare with me blank faces, and they're like, uh, no one. And I'm like, exactly. No one won. You got nothing out of that. You just got a mad husband or a mad wife. Like, we got we to gotta lean into the other person and, and, and understand their perspective, and then we can share our own thoughts. Exactly. Exactly. In this world, we all have different perspectives. And a lot of people like to fight perspective with perspective. But I think you should understand perspective to become one with it. So I kind of twisted up the last part. But instead of fighting perspective, understand perspective. Because you can't change perspective anyways. Fighting perspective will only target the perspective instead of curing the perspective. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. And and like in short, like the example that comes to my mind is... When if if I were to look at you and I feel that you are a uh, a like I don't know what am I trying to say like in short if I if I have a thought process behind a scenario and I go that makes me feel uncomfortable and for you to come along and say well why does it make you feel uncomfortable it, it doesn't matter like it, it's just the fact that it makes me feel uncomfortable yeah. and so you don't you don't necessarily have to agree with me exactly but you also don't have to attack me exactly and exactly. so if you can just be understanding of oh my gosh like well what about that makes you feel uncomfortable can you help me understand then i can share my in source and your outsource then at that point would be wow rex doesn't like spiders so that makes him feel uncomfortable because i do not like spiders well guess what my in source says the same thing about me so I don't like spiders. I don't like spiders. <laughs> but let's just say if I threw a spider at you, <laughs> which is the most random thing. <laughs> if I threw a, a spider at you, would that really change your perspective about spiders? W- uh, would that change anything about spiders? No. Absolutely not. I'd scream like a little girl and I'd run away. <laughs> <laughs> well, bro, I'll probably be running right behind you. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Let's... Uh, Move on to question number five or six. Uh, we're on six. Sweet. So sweet. looks like, um, how likely do you think it is to misinterpret body language, specifically facial expressions? Um, how inaccurate or misleading do you think it can be when our outsource is interpreting body language? So um, body language is a, is a big thing um, when it comes to being able to communicate with other people. Um, but I will say there are in different cultures, um, let's go with the Asian culture, the Asian culture, when they, um, eye contact, um, especially with those that are quote unquote superior to them, um, is not, uh, they, they look down, they don't really make eye contact very much. And so, but here in America, it's important to have eye contact. 
um, eye contact, it feels good. It releases, it can send a little bit of dopamine through the body. And so it's like, wow, like that person cares about me. They made eye contact with me and they, they're listening to me. They're focused in on me. And so um, when it comes to body language, if let's say if I were to turn on my chair right now and speak to the wall versus to you, it would feel less uh, like a conversation and more like a, like does, does Rex even care? Does Rex want to actually have this conversation with me? Um, and so body language is really big um, in getting our points across. But then it's also important for the interpreter to then lean in and say, hey, I noticed that you were kind of frowning when you were talking to me earlier. Um, is everything okay? Um, are you doing good? Are you not doing good? Like, help me understand. And so I think body language is important because then at that point when you're clarifying, you might have misinterpreted it. Maybe their eye is hurting that day and so they're squinting because their eyes hurt. I don't know. Like, I don't wear contact or glasses or anything. That's a good point. But you might assume like, oh, your body language shows me that you're sad when in reality your eyes are just killing you because your contacts are bugging you. Yeah. And so body language is huge and being able to clarify is really important on that as well. Exactly, exactly. Because there's so many things that can happen in someone's mind that when you're speaking to somebody, they might be slightly aware of the conversation, but more aware of their problems or their relationships or their income career, school, whatever the case, there's so many options out there. And I feel like sometimes that the mind in a conversation are two different things at times, if that makes sense. Go into that for me. What do you mean? So pretty much, let's say if we're having a conversation uh-huh. and I'm aware of everything we're talking about, but I'm more aware of my problems. Like I'm more aware of, oh my goodness, I might get fired tomorrow or crap. I have homework and I'm late. And it's a do at midnight. So therefore, I'm aware of the conversation, but I'm also aware of these thoughts in my brain. And I might be more concerned about the thoughts in my brain instead of the conversation. Because now I'm stressed and now I might have anxiety. I might be depressed. I don't know. Uh, I mean, that there's, often, there's many scenarios that could be placed in this, this conversation, I guess. But I could be wondering so far in my brain that I'm only slightly in the conversation. Yeah, and I think part of that is, um, that also takes practice. Um, So I was listening to, I believe it was on The Art of Manliness, um, fantastic podcast, and um, one of the speakers, or I guess guest speakers on this podcast mentioned, um, we have to practice attention. So for example, with TikTok, what's really, TikTok's really funny, um, but what's kind of frustrating about it is it doesn't help us practice um, attention when you're swiping and you're like laughing and giggling at one thing and then the swiping and the next thing you know you're crying because a puppy died uh, too soon I don't know but maybe you swipe again and you're like oh like now I'm really angry he did not cheat on her like how dare he and then you swipe again and it's you're going through all these different emotions you're you're not practicing attention and so like w- with your example of oh my gosh like I have homework that I need to get finished part of that is your body's just saying hey let's send some anxiety so that um, Taylor will go to his homework. But as well, it's important to build a focus on the here and now um, so that maybe when you do get home, as you practice focusing on the here and now, you can get your homework done. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense. Cool. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. Thank you, man. That's a very good way to explain it too. Yeah. Um, last one here, you said, what do you think limits the mind? Um, I'm going to go back to what we opened with, and that is... Um, sleep, nutrition, and exercise. 
Um, if I am not fueling my body appropriately, my body is not going to respect me. I like that. If I respect my body, my body will respect me. Yeah. And so it is important um, for me to get a healthy diet every day to make sure that I am um, getting proper amounts of sleep and to make sure that I am um, exercising. Because if I, if I don't do those things, then my ability to call on my body is going to be reduced. And homeboy knows that I do not want to fight my body and the struggles of life. I'd like to just focus on the struggles of life. Um, and coming from a re- religious perspective, I don't want to fight Satan and my body. I want my body to help me fight Satan. Exactly. I like and that. so I'm going to, my, my goal is to um, make sure that I can tap in my body's resources um, to help with that. And so going back to the question, what do you think limits the mind? Honestly, those are the three things that I start with with a lot of my clients because they're not doing those things. And you're starting up your own practice to kind of instruct these things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so it'll be – it's basically just counseling with an emphasis in nutrition and exercise. Not bad. Um, and the goal there is, in short, to get the body to fight for you versus against you. How many hours of sleep would you recommend? So for people in our age group, which is um, – how old are you? 26. So 26, and I'm 28. Um, we need to be getting around uh, 8 to 10. 8 to 10 but is smart. 8 to 10 is like, that's a good uh, window um, Window there. Yeah. 8, though, I want you to imagine like you're driving on an empty tank. Interesting. Um, and so I don't know about you, but I get a little bit of anxiety if I've got like 100 miles left. I'm like, oh, I'm getting close to empty. I can't go very far. And so it's important for us to get as many hours of sleep as possible. Now, obviously that's gonna be different for everybody. It's not gonna be the same, that's just a general rule. And so if we can, I mean, if you're listening to this podcast and you're getting six hours of sleep, I invite you to get at least eight. See how you feel. You might feel more tired at first, because your body's like, hey, whoa, I'm used to six. Where's the coffee? Where's where's the caffeine? Where's whatever you drink in the morning to get yourself going? I don't know what you drink. AKA the fake energy. Yeah, and so, It's that, that, I mean, when I work with clients, a lot of times they're like, oh yeah, I drink coffee in the morning. And I'm like, well, okay, pause. Like, let's reduce that um, because the body's now waking up and it's not using the resources that it was designed to have. Like, Heavenly Flower designed our bodies to, um, to wake up in the mornings on their own. There are certain biological processes that take place, but if we're drinking caffeine or some people coffee, um, tea, whatever it is, um, you're kind of reducing the body's ability to wake up on its own. And so I invite you to reduce that because I promise you'll feel a lot better. I believe it. I definitely believe it. And I'm happy myself that I fit in that eight-hour window. But barely, <laughs> barely. By just seconds, pretty much. So then my question to you is, are you asleep for eight hours? Are you in, or is that lights out to lights on? Eight no, hours? definitely asleep. I need eight hours of sleep. Awesome. If I do not get eight, eight hours of sleep, my brain does not cooperate with me. Holy crap, I could not pronounce that word. <laughs> but yeah, my brain does not work with me. It actually works against me, just like you said and you explained. And that is definitely a fact in my insource because I have seen it. When I don't get enough sleep, my brain starts kind of quitting things. Like it starts to stop processing some of the things that I usually process a lot better. Mm-hmm. It stops me from pronouncing words, which is crazy. I mean, I sometimes have a little stutter, but when I don't get enough sleep, it creates a larger stutter in my brain. And so I definitely have seen that. I've seen many, many different changes if I do not get eight hours of sleep, but I'll just keep it simple, plain and simple. So I'll start, I mean, I'll stop there. And um, 
the last thing I would like to talk about is anything that you would recommend or ask me or anybody who's watching this show. Hmm. I would... I want to keep it um, simple, stupid. That's perfect. And that is, I want to encourage you um, to... I guess a little goal then for, for today, and that is I want you to raise your awareness. If you can simply ra- raise your awareness of what's going on around you, life gets a little bit easier. For example, I was driving down the road, and uh, this one of my biggest pet peeves is when people cut me off. And so I was driving a healthy speed, li- healthy speed limit, probably a little bit over because I do like to speed. And as I'm driving, this old lady pulls out in front of me and I have to basically slam on the brakes. And so I start to yell and scream at her. She can't hear anything because the windows <laughs> are rolled up. But I start to yell and scream at her. And I immediately I went to, I guarantee you she has a handicap sign in her car. So I uh, get into the other lane. I start to pass her, look over. Sure enough, she has a handicap sign hanging from her win- uh, rear view mirror. And so I go, lady, get off the road. You should not be on the road. Pass her, get in front of her, go to my, go to work. And as I'm driving to work, um, I'm, I take it, like, I sit back in my seat and I go, Rex, what the heck was that? Uh, is everything okay? Like, what's going on? And I rose my awareness and I go, okay, what are you feeling? I did a, 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 a mind body check. I went into my eyes and I'm like, wow, my eyes are really heavy today. I'm pretty tired. I don't think I slept well. Okay, let's make sure tonight I get a little more sleep. Then I went into my belly and I'm like, I'm starving. Wow, I'm really hungry. Like, yeah, maybe next time I need to bring a snack to work. And then I was like, you know what? And today's just kind of a bad day. So as I rose my awareness, I then was able to provide more grace to this individual. Don't even remember what she looks like. Don't remember. I mean, she was driving a red car. But I was able to then say, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry, old lady. I didn't mean any of that. I was just hungry, tired, and today's just kind of a bad day. So I'm sorry for getting angry. So I invite everyone that's listening um, to raise your awareness. And I can promise you that you will find more success in life as you do that. Thank you, Rex. And that is it for today. And I really appreciate you and your time. And I appreciate everybody listening. So as Rex said, let's perfect our awareness. And one of the ways we can perfect our awareness is by practicing it and one way you can practice your awareness is by listening to the deep awareness where all thoughts are placed in the mind so this is the deep awareness and i really do appreciate rex and i appreciate the time and resources like putting in the money uh to pay gas to get here and his time so i really appreciate that and this is the deep awareness thank you guys for listening